Hello, and welcome to Michigan's Path to a Prosperous Future, a podcast hosted by the Citizens Research Council of Michigan. This is Jonathan Osting. I'm a reporter with Bridge Michigan, and I'm your guest host today for a hopefully interesting discussion. I'm here with, here with Eric Lufer, president of the Citizens Research Council, which has done some really robust work researching the state's population woes or stagnant growth. It's informed our reporting at Bridge Michigan and uh, really has spurred a statewide conversation that involves the highest levels of state government now, including the governor's office, where Governor Gretchen Whitmer has appointed a new council specifically to look at this issue. So for this podcast, which is the first in a series of five, I wanted to talk to you, Eric, about your research paper titled Population and Demographic Challenges and Opportunities, which gives a good overview of where Michigan is and how we got here. So let's start with the challenges. Eric, how bad is Michigan's population picture really at this point? Jonathan, thanks for being here. We really appreciate partnering with Bridge Michigan for this uh, work and and long history of working with you. So great yeah. to be here with you. Before we dig in, I want to par- uh, recognize that we partnered with Alterum to do this research and recognize a number of foundations that helped us to underwrite it. So to your question, Michigan's population growth has been very stagnant since about 1970. Uh, if you look back before that time, sort of the heyday of the auto industry and manufacturing in all parts of the state. A lot of people wanted to be in Michigan, and we were among the leading states for population growth. But since that time, uh, we have been very stagnant all the while the rest of the nation, on average, has been growing in double digits. So we went through a little bit of a decline between 2000 and 2010, what we call our lost decade. And other than that, very flat. And as we look forward, our friends at University of Michigan, RSQE, did some projections. And that trend is expected to continue. And and given our demographics is a very old state, perhaps experience some decline in the future. So it's a bit troubling. We're not growing, really. As long as we've been here, I've been doing this for a long time always able to say we live in a state of 10 million people. Yeah, I've been saying that for a long time myself. So Eric, you talked a little bit about going back to the 70s, but how did we get here? What happened? I mean, obviously, it's a very big question, but what are some of the factors that you guys have looked at that perhaps contributed to this stagnant population? You know, it's a lot of things, and it's hard to put your finger on just one of them. Uh, Clearly, the changes in manufacturing you and many other media outlets have chronicled Michigan's lost manufacturing jobs. And the, the last decade that I just mentioned was really intense, but for a long time before that, loss of jobs to Southern states, loss of jobs to other nations, uh, just very little reason to be here. We see that in other parts of the state with loss of manufacturing jobs. Northern Michigan, a lot of the rural parts of the state have really been on the forefront of this loss of population, actually losing people where the state on the whole is sort of treading water. Our rural parts of the state have been losing people. And the whole, we've been getting very old as a state. We have one of the oldest median populations, oldest median ages of any population of the 50 states, 
and and you just think about what that means at some point you're not in the baby making business anymore so the older we get as a state the less natural growth we're going to have so it's a lot of factors it's hard to put our hand on one of them but um, it doesn't help yeah when we talk about population we talk about births and deaths but also uh, migration who chooses to either come to or leave a state Who's leaving Michigan? Who's making that uh, choice? And, and what are the uh, implications of that? Yeah, as you suggest, there's really three elements, like two, but two A and two B. The first one is natural growth, births relative to deaths. And we're positive on that, but we're declining every year. And it's projected to go negative fairly soon, where we'll have more deaths than births. 2A is uh, interstate migration, people coming to and from Michigan to Indiana, Ohio, Illinois, you know, the other states. And that is the big problem we're facing right now is that we are negative on that natural uh, my interstate migration. The, uh, the third part is international migration, and we're positive on that, but not in a real way to make up the big difference. So to your question, what's going on with that? Really, a lot of our young adults, people getting that high school diploma, people getting that college degree, are taking that and saying the grass looks greener in a lot of other states, and they're taking off for Nashville, Chicago, Denver, Seattle, a lot of different places. Um, and as I said, we're getting older, and that's a big part of both of those problems. Those people who would be in the baby-making business are going someplace else to start their jobs, start their families, help those other states grow. And the loss here is really meaningful. So it, it hurts to lose the people. It hurts to lose the talent even more. And we're going to get into that in a later one of these podcasts as we talk about these issues. As you mentioned, those young people leaving were already an old state getting older. What does that matter? What are the policy implications or the economic implications of having an older or aging population that doesn't appear to be getting younger anytime soon? No, it's not going to get younger anytime soon unless we make some real headway in, in turning that ship around. And, and that's going to take a lot of time. So, yeah, the policy implications, there's revenue and there's expenditure uh, implications. Uh, on the revenue side, an older population, for the most part, has what they need, right? They have been uh, living in their house or apartment, whatever. Um, they're not going out and making big purchases for washer and dryers, bedroom sets, things like that, the types of things you might do as a young adult. So that affects the sales tax revenue. At some point, they reach retirement, and Michigan policy has been very permissive on not taxing pension income, and policy changes in 2022 moved us even more down that path. So that retirement income is not being taxed, and that affects income tax revenue. And on the local government side, a lot of people stay in the house that they're in. There's not a lot of movement at a certain age. You, you 
sort of settle. This is where you're going to write it out. And Michigan's tax limitations are very forgiving with the longer the tenure in your household, the longer you've owned that property. So staying in that one place restrains the growth of the property tax revenue. So getting it older affects the revenue at all levels of government in Michigan. And then on the expenditure side, uh, the services you might provide for a young population are pretty different than what you do for an older population. With a young population, you might invest in parks and uh, recreation programs and really investing in a vibrant downtown to attract people. With an older population, now you're investing in senior centers. Um, Transit has different implications given the little we're investing in transit to begin with. How are we going to provide those services and, and who is that for? So there's a lot of examples like this where where you're getting the money and how you're spending it changes based on the population of your communities. Right. And a lot of this just sounds so kind of cyclical too, right? If you're spending money on senior centers, that is not going to draw young people to your community necessarily, improve the quality of life. So you're devoting a bigger pot of your resources to something that isn't going to help necessarily change the trajectory here of the population. Right. We love our old people. We don't want them to feel like we're giving up on them. But at the same time, given revenue constraint that we have at a lot of our local governments, that's a tough decision. Are you investing for the people you hope come? Are you serving the people you know are there? And as you say, investing in senior centers and and the services for the agent isn't an open invitation for the young people to come be part of your community. So it's a tough uh, conundrum that we've put our local governments in. Sure. I'm a politics reporter, as you know, and so I'm particularly interested in how population affects the state's standing or its role in the national political sphere. So what has this stagnant population uh, meant for political power in Michigan? I mean, I kind of know the answer because every cycle, it seems I'm covering Michigan losing a congressional seat. But why does this matter in terms of Michigan's status? Yeah, as as you suggest, after every census, after every 10 years, Congress goes through and apportions how many congressional seats each state is entitled to based on that population. And every census since 1970, six straight now, they've come back and said, sorry, Michigan, the rest of the nation's growing faster. You lose a seat. So we've gone from 19 congressional members, 19 representatives of Michigan down to 13. And that has implications. We don't have sort of the long-serving members like we once did, so no real committee chairs or or things like that. Sort of the the forgotten middle that some of our representatives are trying to do something about with changes in when we vote as a state in the presidential primaries, things like that. Sort of externally, there's that dynamic of lost population. And internally, there's no solid rule to this, but young people tend to be a little more democratic, I think. Older people a little more conservative and and tending to vote Republican. And we certainly see that with the divide in our 
urban and rural areas, uh, younger population in the urban areas and a little more democratic in their voting patterns, older in the rural areas and a lot more Republican in their voting patterns. So this change affects not only how we play with other states and, and the influence we have on national policymaking, um, but it's affecting who we are as a state and how we're voting for our own representatives, for governor, for president, and so on. So, Eric, there's a lot of sobering data, obviously, in this report, but right there in the title of this first report is also the word opportunity. So what sort of natural or man-made opportunities does Michigan have right now to sort of reverse this trend? So some of it is the things that we're going to talk about in later podcasts. Part of changing as a state is we know that we are going to be less white and more people of color making up parts of our population. And when you think about what that means, we're not doing a good job of educating our people of color, of giving them opportunities for good health and good food, few opportunities for real entrepreneurial activities, just not the culture to do that. So the opportunities there are to turn that around, right, to really focus on the idea that people of color are going to be a bigger part of our state and we need to provide opportunities for success by addressing some of those issues. Uh, Governor Whitmer has gleaned on to this issue that we've focused in, in first a growth officer within her department, somebody to focus on what's going on, but also what she called the Growing Michigan Together Council, the idea of bringing together civic leaders, academic leaders, people from out throughout the state to look at the policies that might be turning people away, the policies that aren't setting us up for success, and suggest to the legislature and the governor's office, here's some policy changes you might think about to turn the ship around. The, the opportunity starts with admitting you have a problem, right? The, the opportunity is to say 50 years is enough of stagnant growth and we need to do something about that or we're going to get left behind. And once you make that admission and recognize that you have a problem and now you can start thinking about how we're different than the other states and what policies are getting in the way to the extent they are and then how you're going to change that. So there's a lot of hope that we can do something about it. And you being a political reporter, you think about can we affect real change given that we're such a purple state? We have great ideas in each administration and those tend to be only as good as the next administration. And then the next governor, the next legislature wants to put its stamp on the state and any progress that are, that's being made gets turned around and we start marching in a different direction. So the opportunity is to recognize it. Another challenge is to make it a long-term fix, something that we can carry out beyond the eight years of a of our typical gubernatorial administrations. Yeah, well, I mean, that is sort of the the goal of the Governor's Population Council, and we'll all be watching that closely, you know, whether 
obviously what policies they're going to propose. But to your point, whether those policies can either make it through the legislature or through a ballot process, whatever the case may be. Anyways, we'll be watching it uh, closely, and I'm sure the Citizens Research Council of Michigan will as well. This has been the first in a series of installments in Michigan's path to a prosperous future podcast with Michigan Citizens Research Council of Michigan and Bridge, Michigan, including me, Jonathan Osting. I've been your guest host today with Eric Lufer. Thanks so much for listening. The Citizens Research Council of Michigan has been providing lawmakers, academics, and the media, and all Michiganders, really, with factual, unbiased, independent information on significant issues concerning state and local government, organization, and finance for 107 years. Our research is available to you. Go online at crcmich.org and on Twitter at crcmich. Download our research, check out our numerous blogs and listen to our podcasts. And while you're there, please consider supporting our research with a donation. We rely on charitable donations for our work. This has been a Facts Matter podcast, a presentation of the Citizens Research Council of Michigan.